Lord Jesus, we worship you because we find hope in you. We find rest in you. We find joy in you. We find strength in you. God, we come today because you are worthy of that praise. Lord, we celebrate, Father, the things you bless us, the ways, God, that you provide, the way, God, that you give. We thank you for new life. Um, we thank you that the Bennetts are celebrating their 26th grandchild this weekend, Father. What a blessing. We thank you for other things, Father, that I know many of us have in our hearts that we see that, God, you provide and you give and you, and you bless us. May we not take that for granted. And yet, God, I know there are some in this place today that they have needs and there are hurts and there are concerns. And, Lord, you meet us right in those needs and those hurts and concerns, God. We lift them up to you today. We need your power. We need your strength. We need your providence, God. Help us rely on you. Have faith in you, God. Not ourselves, not the things that we can control or do, but God, in you who is in control. I pray you move us and you mold us, God. You change us. I pray that we have a heart for wanting to be changed. I pray, God, that we don't come into this place and just go through the motions, God, that we come and we, we want to be moved, we want to be changed, we want to be broken into what you, the perfect masterpiece that you have for us. So, Lord, may your word do that to us today. May it show us, may it encourage us, may it move us and change us to something different, God, that you want us to be, God, that we want to be great for you. Help us do that, God. Meet the needs in this place, God, as we lift them up to you. Meet us where we are. Show us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning to you again. So glad that you're here with us today. And <clears throat> um, Sometimes I have to give a disclaimer before a message, and today is kind of one of those days. Um, I was up coughing a lot of the night, so I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth today, and I hope it's not something that gets me in trouble. Um, but bear with me as I will try to get through the no sleep thing of coughing all night and not cough through this with you as well. Um, so I've been praying for that all day, um, but uh, God's always good to help us in times like this. Um, and thank you for your patience uh, today uh, through that. But last week we began this series called The Parables, and we've been looking at Matthew 13, um, because in Matthew 13 there are a few parables here, and um, we're going to continue in that. And this one that we're looking at today is kind of quite easy to interpret because Jesus does it again for us. He interprets it for us right here. Um, and you know, what is a parable? It's a, it's a story with a spiritual step, a spiritual truth, a spiritual um, step for us to learn and to take um, from that. And so if you have your Bibles today, we're going to be in Matthew 13 again in our second week uh, in this parable series here. And we're going to begin in verse 24. Verse 24, if you don't have your Bibles, it'll be on the screen. You can also go to the Bible app and you'll see notes there for today and the verses that we will be going over. Beginning in verse 24. So Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. 
But when everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. And when the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. And the owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. And the servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring them into my barn. Let's stop there for a minute because I want to set this up to help us to understand a little bit what's happening here. Obviously, we see here that in most of your translations, you'll say the parable of the weeds. And the weeds here is what Jesus refers to. Uh, some translations say tares, all right? Um, and the word tear, when you look at the original language, you look in the Greek here, it's zazanion. And it refers to a darnel weed, is the name of that, that closely resembles wheat. So it's a weed that looks like wheat. And it's almost impossible to distinguish real wheat before the wheat ripens. Okay? So, in those days, it was not uncommon for someone to, out of spite or out of revenge, to, to, to go and sow weeds or sow tares among an enemy's wheat crop. So they would do this. And, and so, like, you, you obviously, when you go out into your rose garden or you go out into your flower bed, it's kind of easy to spot those weeds when they come up. Weeds in a rose garden are, are easy to spot right away. But tares, or, or in this case, weeds in a wheat field, they're almost undetectable. You can't, can't notice it. And so they, they, would go, they would go unnoticed for weeks until they had come, the harvest had come, and the tares would become evident then. Now, what, why would this happen? I mean, what, what, was, what was the accomplishment here? Well, by sowing these weeds or tares, it would destroy or at least greatly reduce the value of a farmer's wheat crop. So why was it done? Well, believe it or not, it was done solely out of meanness. True. It's kind of like people today with computer viruses, Right? I mean, people today with computer viruses, why do they do it? They do it just to be mean. They do it to cause trouble. And so this tear-sowing type of vandalism was very common in Roman times. And they even had specific laws against it because it was so common. So when Jesus was going to tell this story, and he did tell this story, um, the listeners were quite, were quite familiar with what, what he was talking about. And so, as we see then a few verses later, Jesus explains this parable. He kind of tells us what these elements symbolize and mean. And so let's look at what he says now. If you jump down to verse 36, we'll see him explain this. So then he left the crowd and he went into the house, and his disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. And so he answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. 
And as the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. And the Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out his kingdom, everything that causes sin, and all who do evil. And they will throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. So Jesus explains this. And let me tell you what he tells us here. He says the sower, or the farmer, if you will, is who? Jesus, the Son of Man. And the field is the world. The good seed is God's people. The weeds or bad seed are the sons of the evil one. The enemy who sabotaged the field is the devil, Satan. And the harvest is the end of the world. So he lays this all out for us. In this story, Jesus is telling us that in this world, there are going to be people that are going to be around us that belong to him. And there are going to be some people that we do life in this world with that belong to the evil one. I'm not here to scare you today. That is not the point. But I think we need to realize that this is happening everywhere we go. There is an enemy that is alive and well, and there are those that are with him. As he's telling us here, Jesus is saying, hey, they exist together, side by side. They work together. They are in our neighborhoods together. Can I even throw another? Sometimes I fear they go to church together. Now what Jesus is saying is the evil ones can't be uprooted now, but at the end of the age they will be. All those who call sin, all those who do evil will be separated from God's people forever so that God's people can live out eternity in the light of the kingdom of God, free from the presence of sin. I want to show you some truths today that I hope will help us today. I hope today will give us insight into this parable and will move and change in our lives. The first one is one that is not one that we celebrate. It's one that we know, but we need to be reminded of. And it's first this, weeds are are an inescapable fact of life. Weeds are unescapable. They're going to exist in our lives. Last year at springtime, when the weather really warmed up, we had been outside and obviously you begin to do all the springy kind of things and we were out on our back deck and all of a sudden we started having fun with some carpenter bees now I don't know if you know what a carpenter bee is many of you may me somebody might not but a carpenter bee looks a lot like a bumblebee they look almost identical but they are different and what they the females obviously do is they like to burrow into the wood of decks and even your house and things like that and they want to lay their eggs in there for next spring well, the males like to get aggressive to protect where these, these uh, mamas, these queens, have put these eggs in, in, the, in their nests, if you will. And so when you're about on a back deck, and obviously I've got some carpenter bees around my deck somewhere, right? You got these males are just like, vroom, at you. 
Because they want to get you away. They don't want you to bother that. And they will drive you nuts. I mean, you cannot enjoy your time out there whatsoever. Now, the crazy thing is, is that the, the males can't sting you. So that's why they're aggressive. They want to try to, to scare you away. Now, if you mess with mama, she can't actually sting you. But they tend to want to lay back and make sure the, the, uh, the nests are taken care of. But those males want to go at you. They want to get aggressive. We're annoyed by those things. But I kind of knew about carpenter bees, and so I wasn't surprised because that's what carpenter bees do. That's how they protect. That's what they do. They attack people without provocation. They do whatever they can to try to, to, to get away, to get you away from their nests and, 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 and do what they can to, to protect until I go and get the tennis racket. Why do I tell you that story? Because there's a lot of people like that in the world. What do you mean, Russ? There are people that we are going to be around in this world that are weeds. <laughs> there are people that Jesus referred to as weeds that attack without warning. They seem to exist to kind of cause problems and pain. In the early stages, they may look a lot like wheat, but they do everything they can to destroy the harvest. And the frustrating truth is that it's an inescapable part of life. You can't escape it. You can't get rid of them. Maybe you've worked with somebody like that. Maybe you know someone like that. Maybe, even worse, you've gone to church with someone like that. Jesus is telling us that weeds are a fact of life. We can't avoid them. It would be nice if we could go in our backyard and have a great day on the deck, you know, without being bothered by the carpenter bees. But the reality is, is that we have to do that. We have to put up with weeds. Don't be surprised by their presence is what Jesus is trying to tell us. Don't be surprised. Think about it. When Paul was trying to win the world to Jesus, he had to endure an enormous amount of opposition. He did, so much so that he came from people that claimed to be Christian. They would follow him around. They would try to stir up trouble wherever he went. They would attack his theology. They would challenge his methods. They would accuse him of preaching a false gospel. Folks that said they were Christ's followers. And what's interesting to me about that is that while they were condemning his preaching, they weren't doing any preaching themselves. They weren't busy winning souls of the kingdom. They were just busy trying to keep him from being successful. You see, anyone, anytime they take a stand for Christ, that's what happens. We see it with, you know, large mega churches and, and pastors that are doing great things for the kingdom. Man, there are people out there writing blogs about them. Saying, I can't believe this guy, how he is reaching people this way, blah, 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 blah. These are Christians writing this about other Christians. Criticizing how they're doing it and what they're doing. And here's what's funny. As people spend all these times tweeting and blogging and writing all this stuff, they spend all this time pouring into anti-whoever that they are not doing anything for the kingdom, wasting all of that time.
point is simply this. Weeds are an inescapable part of life. And they're going to be around us. And they're going to be there. And there are going to be people who are going to try to sabotage our success, your success, simply because they're weeds. And that's what weeds do. Don't be surprised when it happens. And I want to show you a second thing. Even though there's weeds, your main responsibility, my main responsibility is to be responsible for ourselves. It's to be responsible for yourself. I love this. Look at what happens in verse 27 through 29. So the owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. And the servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. So here you've got the workers of the field. They really don't have a name so much in this interpretation of the parable. But here you, they, you have them ask if they sh- he's, they're asking, hey, do you want us to go pull the weeds? And what is Jesus' answer? It's straightforward and simple. He says, no. No. What's he, why, why is he saying that? Listen to me. Don't miss this. Your job, my job, it isn't our job to spot the weeds or to pull the weeds or to burn the weeds. It is our job to be wheat. It is our job to be wheat. It is our job to be wheat. It is our job to keep growing and bearing fruit. You see, this will come as a surprise to some people because some people think that the Christian life kind of consists of, you know, pointing out sin, looking at what others are doing wrong. But the problem is with that is that we haven't been placed in the field to pull weeds. We've been placed in the field to be wheat. And so much of the church has happened now, which don't misunderstand me, but we are, you know, we, yes, we're to stand for sin in those things. But listen, we are so about looking at everybody else's problems. Can I just tell you that every time a religious group in the history of the world has attempted to go into the weed pooling business, disaster has ensued? Can I just give you a couple examples? I don't know if you know about these or not, but you can read about them in Christian history. There was the Christian Crusades. There was the Inquisition. There was the Protestant Reformation. There was the Catholic Counter-Reformation. All of those examples of where there was this kind of thinking. In fact, this is what we see happening today. The very cause of much of the turmoil the world is currently in. Radical religious groups trying to root out those they consider to be weeds. (laughs) And in doing so, they're proving that they aren't wheat. So in this parable, Jesus is saying that the world is like a farmer's field. And he's saying that that, that it is he that is the farmer, not us. We aren't the gardeners. We're the crop. And because we're the crop, our first responsibility is to make sure that we make it to the harvest as the weed he created us to be. Am I saying that Christians can't speak out? No. Am I saying that we should not stand against sin in society? Yes, we should. Do we make a bold stand for righteousness? Yes, we should. Do we need to be hard on sin? 
Yes, but even more so, our own sin. Yes, we have to make a bold stand for holiness. Our holiness. My holiness, your holiness, your personal holiness. Because here's what I've noticed in my life. The more I'm concerned with someone else's sin, the less concerned I am with mine. We don't like to go there, right? It's a lot easier to look at somebody else's. The more concerned I am with other sin, the less concerned I become with my own. Our first responsibility is to be responsible for ourselves. We are not here to be weed pullers. We're here to be wheat. And that takes a big responsibility. And that means that, that it is our job, it is your job to devote your life to becoming like Jesus. That's what we have to be. That's what being weed is about. Before we ever go looking at others, we have to take a long look at ourselves. I don't know about you, but do you sometimes look in the mirror and you don't like what you see? <laughs> I mean, whether it's a wrinkle here or there, or it's like, oh my, you have aged a few years. Or you need to get some sleep as you look at yourself. Or have you ever looked really hard in the mirror and you're like, man, I'm just not where I'm supposed to be right now. I'm not the husband I'm supposed to be right now. I'm not the mom I'm supposed to be right now. I'm not the Christ follower I'm supposed to be right now. I'm not serving him like I'm supposed to be. There's something powerful about looking in that mirror. I mean, we've made it a lot of different things, haven't we? But when we really look at ourselves, and I'm so thankful that God sees past some of that ugliness, doesn't he? But man, it helps us to kind of check. It helps us to go, man, I, as I look at that mirror and I look at myself, man, I, I want to be wheat. I don't want to be a weed puller. Change my heart in that, God. Because I tell you, if we all focus more on being wheat and not weed pullers, man, what a difference it'll make in the church. What a difference it'll make in the kingdom. Let me show you a third thing. There's no doubt that our true nature will always become fully evident. Our nature will always become fully evident. See, ultimately, the wheat proves itself to be wheat, and the weed proves itself to be just that, a weed. When you look at the early stages of the process, right, you know, when things are planted, you, you can't distinguish between what's wheat and weeds or tares. And that's the whole point of the parable. But when harvest rolls around, things get revealed, don't they? Things are shown for what they really are. The wheat obviously becomes wheat. And why is it wheat? Because weeds don't bear fruit. Wheat does. 
True believers will be identified by that. True believers will be identified by the fruit or the grain they produce. Regardless of how much the weed resembles the wheat in the early stages, it is just a weed, and ultimately it will be obvious. If you're a weed, it's going to become obvious. If you're wheat, it's going to become obvious. Now, when I read this parable, I don't know about you, but I can't help, especially as I talk about looking in the mirror as I just talked about, do you go, which one am I? Do you ask the question, am I wheat or am I weed? <laughs> which am I? Now, I want you to understand that there's something here that Jesus doesn't specify in this parable, but it's so integral to the gospel that you, you cannot preach about this, you can't look at this without mentioning it. And here it is. Without Christ, without a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as his, his being your Savior and Lord and, con, and, and confessing your sin, repenting of your sin, asking to be Lord of your life, without him, we're all weeds. But it is through what Christ has done and through the blood that was shed that we could be forgiven, that he rose again and he is alive today and sits at the right hand of the throne of God, that we can become wheat. That we are saved and we, we, we are walking in the power of God every day. What am I saying? Listen, the Christian life is not a matter of weeds pretending to be wheat. The Christian life is a matter of weeds being transformed into wheat by his power. I mean, isn't that why Paul said, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Because we all were weeds. We all are coming to this world as weeds. We're born that way. And no matter how weedy our life has been, Today, you can be transformed into wheat. Today, you can begin the process of growing to maturity, bearing the fruit that God wants in your life that he created you to bear. And How do you do it? For some of you, you take this step because you've never done it. And you say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Make me into a new person. Change me through and through. I surrender my life to you. I turn from my old way of life, living for myself, living in all the things that I desire, to turning and living for you, Lord Jesus. I am yours now. I belong to you. I give you total control of my life today. Will some of you do that today? The prayer not magical in itself the prayer is simply to help you to begin the process of change in your life to becoming fully grown fully mature fully developed wheat that he wants you to be why because your true nature will eventually become evident let jesus transform your nature let him change your life let him give you a new nature that empowers you to become what he made you to be why is that important Well, what's Jesus talking about here in this parable? He's talking about a final judgment that's going to come, right? He says in the final judgment, Jesus said the weeds will be separated from the wheat. The weeds, all those who do evil, all those who cause sin, all those whose name is not written in the land's book of life, all those without Christ as their Lord and Savior, 
will be thrown into the fire. He's talking about hell. We don't like to talk about hell no more in church. But hell is real. Don't let anybody tell you that it's not. Hell is a real place. And he's talking about hell that's his eternal separation from God and the consequence of choosing to spend one's life. Is when you choose not to live your life for Christ, this is what you're choosing. What will hell be like? The torment is so horrible that Jesus says the people will weep and gnash their teeth. Jesus says it here. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's also referred in multiple other places in the scripture. Revelation 19, Revelation 20, 21, Mark 9, Matthew 8, Matthew 22, Matthew 24, Matthew 25, Matthew 5, 29, 30, 10, 18, 23, verse 15, and verse 33. God all over his word has been telling us that hell is a real place. One commentator said it like this. He said, hell will not be a place of some jokingly envisioned where the ungodly will continue to do their thing while the godly do theirs in heaven. Hell will have no friendships, no fellowship, no camaraderie, and no comfort. It will not even have the corrupt pleasures in which the ungodly love to revel here on earth in. There will be no pleasure in hell of any kind or degree, only torment day and night forever and ever. I praise God that he said, that's not my final point. That's not what I want for you. Here's what he wants for us. Verse 43. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. This is what God wants for you. This is what God wants for us. This is God's plan for us. That even if we've been a weed all of our life, his invitation is available to us today that we can be wheat, we can let him transform our lives and move us and change us. And even if you have been saved and you, you are wheat in the sense of that you have given your life to Christ, are you looking like wheat? Your life can shine like the sun in the Father's kingdom if you will take steps in that direction today. You may struggle with weeds around you. There may be weeds all surrounding you today, but that won't stop you from becoming wheat. Yes, weeds are an inevitable part of life, but he made you to be wheat, and he'll see you through to the harvest till you become what he made you to be to you are filled with such righteousness that you shine like the sun. That is my hope for our church. That is my hope for you. Are you shining like the sun? Man, I think sometimes as we, as we walk in that power of what he's talking about here, we don't shine like that. And we need to be shining like that. When I read these verses, I ask, God, can that happen in my life? Can I be filled with such righteousness that I shine like the sun? You know what faith is? Faith is saying, yes, we can. By his grace, by his mercy, by his power, yes, we can. It's his plan for us. If we're willing to let it happen, he's promised to make it happen. 
But it only happens, listen, when we quit trying to be weed pullers and we look at ourselves in the mirror, it only happens when we surrender completely to God and we give him our all. When we care about the people so much beside us that they're going to this hell, this place of torment. Because if you're separated from God, this is what is promised. Don't let that just, we, we've gotten so comfortable with that. Well, they've heard about Jesus. They can choose him or not. What? Where's our heart for loving? What about your own children? We've got to look at others' life that way. I can't imagine my children not knowing Christ and going to hell. What about any others around you? The time is now. The time is now. And we need to get on board. He's calling us to be wheat. And when we will be the wheat that we're supposed to be, you will see great things happen and be transformed for the kingdom of God. But as long as we pretend to be wheat, and as long as we want to try to just pull a bunch of weeds, we'll be sitting in the same spot. I want to ask you to bow your heads. Maybe God is leading you today to come, to give your life and say, I, I want to be wheat. I don't want to be a weed anymore. I want to say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me my sins. Make me into a new person. Change me through and through. I turn from my old way of life. I give you control of my life today. I am yours. I belong to you. Are you ready to surrender your life to Christ today? I hope that you are. I will be down front. I would love to talk with you about that decision today. Most important decision you'll ever make in your life. There's nothing greater than walking and the power of changing from a person who didn't know Christ to knowing him and fully surrendering your life to him, going from weed to wheat, walking in his power every day. Come give your life to him today. For others of us in this place, let's get real. Let's be honest in this place. You, Russ, I, I'm, I'm acting more like a weed than I am wheat. I'm more interested in pulling weeds than I am becoming wheat. What about your fruit? Is there fruit? Are you seeing people come to Christ because of your relationship with them? Are you, are you helping other people become more like wheat? Only you know that. God knows that. Confess it to him today. Ask God to help you. Maybe you need to come for prayer today. This altar will be open. We're also going to come to the table today. and We invite any believer in Jesus Christ are welcome to come to the table and take of the bread and the cup. 
I ask that you sit there and reflect a moment before you come today. Respond to what God is calling you to. Respond to what he's saying in your heart, that we don't just go through the motions. Why do we come to the table? We come to remember what Christ has done for us. As believers in this place, becoming wheat and not a weed anymore. Our hearts are changed. We're like new. We come to thank him in, respect, in honor and respect and remembrance of what he's done, the broken body, the bloodshed, the remission of our sin. Do this in remembrance of me, he said. So I'm going to pray, and as we sing, as you feel led, you respond at your seat, come to the table, partake of the elements, as we'll have our deacons serving down here when you're ready. Father God, I thank you for your word today. I thank you so much for you sending your son, his broken body, his shed blood for the remission of our sin, God, that we, we could be saved, that Father, that we will be one day in heaven and we will shine like the sun. We will not be eternally separated from you, but eternally with you forever and ever, God. And I pray for decisions in this place today. If there's someone that doesn't know you, God, that right now their destination is, is hell. God, they will give their life to you today. Not a greater decision they'll ever make. Father, I pray for decisions all over this place that we step out step out in your name and in your power. May we be praying all over this room that someone give their life to Christ today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for all you do. May we respond in Jesus' name.